0: Yes, I'd like to solve the puzzle. Lard party. No, I'm sorry, the answer is faux pas. Mm. That was good, that was a very good guess. Do you ski? A spoon, a fork. Things that hurt my kitty cat. A spatula. Things my football table would say. No, pass. It's new. Velcro It's reverent. Billy Graham. Graham crackers. It's a TV format that utilizes game shows from the network vault. faux pause. Oh, oh, that's that's clear. I'm I'm with that. What? No, that makes sense now. No, it's not your explaining as much as my head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this podcast. With the one thing I know something about, game shows, I suppose. Hey, remember faux pause? We're going to be talking about old bullshit GSN shows and our game shows this week because I'm recording this about two weeks in advance. So because I don't know any news about maybe the What Riders strike or new game show acquisitions, you will have to wait a few more weeks to hear me have a hot temper about those. But for now, we'll be talking about four more GSN originals this week and then eventually continue and continue until we're all done. The first game show we're going to be talking about today is, you guessed it, Late Night Liars, because we all love The Muppet Show, right? Right? Jim Henson might be one of the most prolific puppeteers of our generation. People love The Muppet Show. They love Sesame Street. They love all of these wacky characters, and eventually he did pass away. But why am I talking about Jim Henson all of a sudden? That's a puppet. Well, that's because there was a puppet game show on Game Show Network. It was called Late Night Liars. It lasted less than a month on GSN. So Late Night Liars was supposed to be a real game show, but instead of celebrities that were booked to be the panelists, they had puppets that were the constant characters of the show. And the whole idea was supposed to be about, just like any game show called Late Night Liars, what you would expect, are these statements true or false? <clears throat> so there were four players, Shelly Oceans, William A. Mummy, Kashmir Ramada, and Sir Sebastian Simeon. Shelly Oceans would be kind of like a Joan Rivers. Uh, William A. Mummy would be a... Uh, I was going to say a Paul Lynn. I think they're trying to go for like a Paul Lynn type of flamboyant gay character. Kashmir Ramana is supposed to be obviously Paris Hilton. And then Sir Sebastian Simeon is supposed to be a Simon Cowell chimpanzee. So those will be your four players of of the panel, and they would always be the celebrities, except for a couple of episodes, in which case they make a celebrity into a puppet, but not actually a celebrity. So they got Mickey Rourke as a celebrity and Rosie O'Donnell as a celebrity. Of course, not the real Mickey Rourke or Rosie O'Donnell. It was hosted by Larry Miller, uh, the voice actor, comedian, podcaster, Famous for movies, 10 Things I Hate About You, for instance. And you might remember him as the Boss in the Dilbert cartoon. So he's always had this great improvisational mind. So it makes perfect sense for him to host this kind of comedic show. So in Late Night Liars, there are basically uh, four cont- the four panelists will be giving statements. And it's up to you to determine who's telling the truth and who's fibbing. Two of the four are telling the truth. The other two are lying. The contestants would secretly choose a panelist that they thought was one of the two liars. If they could spot the liar, they win the money. Now, I should say they win the money because it's the, the sidekick announcer is the weasel that looks like a weasel and sounds like a weasel. And it's always some random wacky amount of money. Like it's $513. Yeah. If they couldn't spot the liar, they don't get the money in round two. There's only one that's lying. The rest were telling the truth. So now the contestants had to decide which panelist was the only one who was lying Again, a correct choice. One, the predetermined amount of money. It's, it's about $862. Yeah! And obviously, because it's the, the panel of things, they would improv, banter. It, it, essentially, the puppets would read the statement as the characters, and then the other characters would improv their way into doing ad libs. So it's mostly a long-form improv game show. In round three, each of the contestants chooses one of the four panelists puppets to play with. The panelists in control uh, gives a statement that fit into a new category. The contestant who gave that pan who picked the panelist then has to decide whether that panelist was telling the truth or lying. If you were right with your prediction, you win more money. Behind the portrait of the panel were random money selectors called RANDOMOMETERS. If the contestant was correct, then the randomly behind the portrait was revealed, and it spun around until the contestant pressed a button to stop it, which then caused each wheel to stop one at a time, and whatever money amount, it was one. It's always greater than $100, but the top amount was never clearly established, however it had spaces for four digits. The player with the most money won the game and kept the cash. Uh, The loser received $500 and a consolation prize. The winning player got to play for a great, great, great cash prize. (sighs) So in the final round, the two-topic showdown, the other two panelists that weren't picked in the third round uh, were given a subject, and they alternated turns giving statements that may or may not be associated with the panelist category. After hearing each statement, you had to decide if it was true or false when applied to that panelist subject, if the correct answer, you get 500 bucks. And if you get eight right in 43 seconds, <laughs> you're thinking 10 and 60. No, it's eight in 43, not 45, 43, <laughs> because it's a wacky show. All of these random numbers, it's so random and wacky. It's wacky zany. <clears throat> If they got eight right in 43, they win $10,000. However, sometimes it gets a little wacky and the weasel makes it $10,004 or a little less money because he had to get bus fare. So it's 9993 Oh, wow. That wacky weasel lowering the budget of the show. When it was the Mickey Rourke and Rosie O'Donnell episodes, it was 25,000 and 20,000, which was increased. So that means everything was random and it never really made sense. Hilarious. Now, the show is okay. I like this set because they were trying to go for a nightclub feel. They tried to go for a game show set and they, I mean, it's a really good that they were playing up like these were actual celebrities, even the contestants, when they were playing with the celebrities, they were basically pretending these were real people. Like, oh, I love them my whole life. William A. Mummy. So it, it, it's very cute that they were trying to bring into the universe. We talked about, I think, I don't know if we talked Burt Love Buffet yet. But Bertland's Love Buffet was similar in that. There are fake people in this game show... But they are treated like real people, but then sometimes during the breaks, because this is a comedy show, there would be skits and sketches, and here's a new uh, yoga mat, and here's a new uh, smoothie and some stuff. It it, it just would be sort of that kind of thing, because these are puppets and they did skits, and it's mostly played for laughs. Now, those laughs are always subjective. The set was really beautiful, and it's a funny game show. It was okay. I mean, the thing is, though, it was a bit raunchy for Game Show Network, even in 2010. However, it's Game Show Network, and it's a late-night game show. that They kind of aired at, like, 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock at night what would happen is the viewership would have drastically dropped so even though there was provocative questions and really silly questions and very funny ad libs no one really knew what the fuck the show was because it's a comedy game show where oh the contestants can win 393 dollars so good okay neat i guess now the worst part about this is PMZ video puppet MZ get it like like TMZ PMZ is still up so if you go to PMZ video you could see some of these old clips from Late Night Liars and these are really bad skits I think it was really cute of a show I don't know if Game should the thing is though I don't know there's a few things it, it's it it was. To me, I thought it was a very funny show. I personally enjoyed it, and I still like it a lot. And it's like, please, if there's a way to find an episode, do. But as a game concept, it's a bit busted because it's all like round one is a little bit of value. Round two is slightly more money, but also random and then round three is all random. So it's random plus random plus random. It's a random, random, random game show. And that's the joke because it's all random, but it, it doesn't all fit at the same time. So, well, it's a good comedy game show. As a longevity show, it just sort of falls into the lay side. The thing is, though, I, when you consider things like funny, you should ask I think it's nearly identical, even though they are trying to go for a uh, even though Funny Should Ask is like a speeder, speedier version of Hollywood Squares. This one is more like Liars Club as a reboot with puppets. And I think that's why I kind of enjoy it a little bit more. Plus, it the puppets add like a little bit more like silliness to the show. It's not really like we got these TV actors. We got puppets. I just think it was just at a wrong place, wrong time, wrong network, wrong schedule. If this was like on like probably IFC at the time, this would probably have gone three seasons. If this was on true TV now, it would still be one popular show. But on Game Show Network, it didn't last. And the fact that they never really hammered home the Jim Henson company produced this show and try to get to the, that, that Muppet show crowd is sort of dis- disappointing. Because I think if you told people this is like the same people who bring us the Muppets and Muppet Mayhem and all of these Muppet shows are on Disney, it would work. It would have worked. But also, it's very adult, and I think that's also what makes it very funny. So, personally speaking, one of my favorite game shows that never really saw the wayside... But also as a game format, one that didn't really work because everything's random. But uh, I personally thought it was very funny. But what I did enjoy the most is that this was 2010 and they gave every one of the puppets like their own Twitter account. Like even Weasel has an account. So this was one of the early precursors to the social media buzz for a game show at a time when that was still not taking off, and I think that's something to celebrate. So Late Night Liars is definitely a game show that was way ahead of its curve. I just don't know why it didn't last long, but maybe I do. But still, if you can find an episode, find some clips, check it out. You might enjoy it. What a shit show. Anyway, uh, because we're going to be talking about GSN Originals today, uh, for first things first, uh, we're going to talk faux pas. Now, faux pas was this uh, comedy show. It was kind of like MST3K, but they weren't really riffing over it. They were kind of doing stop pause and riffing on the shows. Uh, I thought it was a very interesting premise, because they were taking old game shows from the Mark Goodson Library and mocking them. Uh, it, it was okay a uh, fun thing is that Frank Nicotero famous uh, game show host himself with Street Smarts was also a writer for faux pas yeah that's that's about it if it comes to any sort of fun fact so anyway next let's talk about a one and done game show event that's a real spectacle this is the Kmart Ridiculous Cash Bass there's nothing you can say about faux pas it's just they riffed on game shows it kind of was boring Uh, If you really like game shows, you really couldn't get the full episode. Uh, And most of the jokes were very hammy circa 90s of look at the fashion of the seventies, whoa, and classic improvisational jokes. Anyway, this next game show is the Kmart Ridiculous Cash Bash. You know, when you talk about game shows for a long time, you just phlegm up and you need to take a break. So then you watch more game shows. And then a game show comes along that you forgot about on Game Show Network. You vividly remember watching it the first time around. And then you realized, oh, this is terrible. Welcome to Ridiculous Cash Bash. Or as it's really called in full terms, Kmart Ridiculous Cash Bash. Now, I, I just want to say right now... This show sucked ass. I think this is what happens when you let a company do a big product placement for Kmart and then just say, I guess it's a wacky game show. And it just... It just sucked. All right, so... Essentially, it's a cross-promotion to sell Kmart, and this was something that GSN really wanted to try to do in terms of game more branding opportunities for the network. Makes sense. It was hosted by Cooper Manning, which at the time uh, was not doing his football podcast with his brothers, not being the sidekick on College Bowl, just hosting this show where he gets to be the wacky game show host. With a co-host, Allison Hayslip. If you don't remember that name, I will remind people... Everything is kind of now connecting to G4 again! Allison Hayslip was on attack of the show for a while! Hey, Allison, what's up? I don't think she'll ever watch this. Uh, she was also on The Voice for a season. Because NBC Universal. Anyway, they have... Contestants who who are who make audition videos to try and be on the show, but all of the prizes are Kmart gift cards. You could win prizes at Kmart in 2017, which at the time Kmart was having like 40 or 50 stores left. They weren't in a good place. It would make sense if it was Sears still, if it was the Sears cash bash. But instead, it was Kmart because they need the opportunity. Kmart needs more people to show up. This is one last chance. Kmart already tried to do this by having a Spanish modern take on, on supermarket sweep where it was sweep to win at Kmart. And now we have ridiculous cash bash. From, my, from all of my research, they filmed this in Sylmar. And everyone in the audience gets a $500 gift card to Kmart. That's how much they got paid. It's a paid audience. And then they had PAs, who had to be the assistants in weird costumes, dress up with blue uh, morph suit kind of things. And they call themselves the Blue Light Crew. And then there are others, the Bargain Busters. So contestants who are predetermined ahead of time gets to play physical challenges to win prizes. In the first game that I saw, it was called fro no you not and it involved an old lady and a daughter and they had to basically put their head under a fro-yo And then melted goop would fall into their mouth. And they would have to guess the flavor. Because it was all just yogurt or clam chowder or whatever. And they call the correct answer. The crew member will take a placard of the flavor and place it on the board. If they can get all of them right in two minutes, they win eight prizes. And these were all prizes you could get at Kmart. Then we cut to a video. The Kmart 500. A player is sitting inside a shopping cart holding a shopping list. The other player will be pushing the cart and trying to get the items on the list that are blindfolded. Four grocery items on the list corresponds to prices that can be won. With a light-up sign describing the price to be won next to the item for the non-blindfolded player to see. Bargain busters will also show up in the store. Providing obstacles for the blindfold player, which were traffic cones If they get through two minutes and hit a button, then they win all the prizes Then we get to piggest loser There's a pig pen with people in pig costumes. It's funny. You're gonna laugh pigs Pig costumes We paid people to put on a pig suit for a Game Show Network bullshit for Kmart. Two minutes or less, and they have straw sticks and bricks, and they have to call around their hands and knees. These contestants that said, I want to be on a game show. Hey, get on your hands and knees and guide the pigs into the houses. These people in pig costumes. Each house that has a pig It's a prize, you get three prizes. Then, they do again, the Froyo Challenge. Cause, I don't know, they don't sell Froyo at Kmart. The last time I went to the Kmart Cafe, they were selling Little Caesars Pizza. Buy the slice for $3 a slice. And it's a hot and ready pizza that's five bucks. So, like, that's a real bullshit move there, Kmart. So they sit on a giant ice cream cone and it gets covered in chocolate syrup. These are people in the audience that gets paid in gift cards to Kmart. So then you had... Basically, now that you're covered in syrup in this ice cream cone, we're gonna throw gift cards at you and you have 30 seconds to stick them onto your chocolate body that's covered in chocolate. You could win up to $200. dollars Whoopie be doo You could buy in new clothes because of what just happened. You also had 500 bucks, but now you could get up to 700 Oh, boy. Then we cut to another VT of an in-store challenge. And a player's in a dump tank. And they have to throw the Turgent pod-shaped beanbags. Basically, it's like Tide Pods. And next to a player with a t-shirt with various stains on it, and there are sometimes prizes and sometimes not. So if you dunk the player, you get the prize on the shirt. And if the beanbags hits a blank ground and stain, players dunk. And basically, if you just dunk your partner five times, you win all the prizes. <sighs> I don't. I don't get it. Other. I'm guessing this was their attempt to try and see if maybe Tide would, like, jump in, and maybe even the people at Tide went, no, this is too fucking stupid for me. To payday! Eight players are presented to the uh, audience. One has real hair, and the others are wearing toupees. And you have to guess which one... Uh, has a toupee to win a prize package. All the players will participate in a physical challenge to eliminate wrong picks. Bl- the players wear a bell with spatula and have meant to flip hamburger patties. And a patty on the spatula, you flip on designated line. Every time a patty lands on the grill, uh, one player who doesn't have a t- to pay will be eliminated. The patty has to stay on the grill without falling off. When the game is finished, incorrect guesses are eliminated. And then you have to grab someone's hair and pull on it. If a toupee comes off, the players win a prize package. (sighs) Sponge bath is apparently the last one before we get to the bonus round. Two players are dressed on an outfit full of sponges, like something like Dave Letterman, circa 1987. They have to jump into a tank of water and saturate the sponges. Afterwards, the players will have to run through a giant ringer to a tub with a rubber duck on it and group hug each other to squeeze the water out of the sponges. And rinse, repeat. They have two minutes to get as much water in the tub as possible for every line in the tub of water they fill the duck rises up to. They win a prize for up to three prizes. You know beat the clock was a great game show i know they would do something this stupid but probably nothing this stupid i think if if there was like a modern beat the clock and they had the sponge bath beat the clock challenge it'd be something like a a double dare fill it past a line challenge and there's a little toy duck not this bullshit what what the hell Anyway, all of the contestants that showed up today get to participate in the two part challenge Blue Light Mountain, like Blue Light Specials, because Kmart, your home for shopping, which I think only exists in like four places now. This is like giving away Blockbuster gift cards this year. That level of insanity. One member of each team starts in a pit of blue balloons. When the game starts, all the players have to pop the balloons by sitting on them with their butts. Three of them have a mountain pass in them. The first three players to fight a mountain pass will be able to move on to the second half of this bonus round while the remaining players are out of the game. The three remaining players will then have two minutes to climb Blue Light Mountain. A giant slippery foam mountain, you know, like a slippery hill, a slippery uh, stair thing. And it's covered with price tags ranging from $1,000 to $20,000 in Kmart Shop Your Way credit. The higher up the mountain, the more difficult to get the tags, but the more they are worth. Players will have to scale the mountain and grab the tags. Each player can only get one tag at a time, though. They then have to go back down the mountain, hand the tag to their partner before getting another one. The game continues until two minutes are up or until all the tags are found. Whoever grabbed the most, shop your way points! Not cash now, it's just points. Okay, it's points, not credit. Points wins the wins the tags and also a hundred thousand dollars more in credit for kmart the grand prize is one hundred thousand dollars at kmart kmart hundred grand you you, they didn't think this through i don't think so i'm noticing just noticing here Maybe uh, the show needs a little bit more fine-tuning here. So, $100,000 to Kmart's the grand prize. I I guess that's a great prize, but when I think $100,000, that's usually, like, in cash, a life-changing amount of money. Like, that's the amount of money that, you know, you could buy a car, down payment on a house, you could start a life with $100,000. To have that be the grand prize plus twenty or so thousand dollars is kind of ridiculous in a ridiculous cash bash, because you you have to spend one hundred twenty thousand dollars at Kmart, the place where you buy patio furniture that costs like fifty dollars back then in the nineties. If it's still around, I'm gonna guess three hundred dollars. It's really cheap shit at Kmart and the reason is it's because it's a cheap area it's it's supposed to be a department store that entices people to show up and spend money because wow these great products that we use every day for low prices that's why the blue light special exists it's the daily deal so not only do we save money let's encourage saving money with $100,000 at Kmart. what are you going to do with that money start a family do it uh, no because that's all kmart gift cards so you're going to buy joe boxer shirts you're gonna you're gonna get marfa stewart lennon uh maybe a vizio television if they actually still sell stuff and keep in mind 2017 Nearly a decade ago. Let's check. Kmart right now. Is is Kmart still around? Holy cow, it is still around. It's still owned by Sears. Uh, according to the wiki page, uh, the, the photo that, that they show for Kmart is the Goldsboro, North Carolina location in August 2012, and then notes... The location closed in March 2017, the same time as this shit game show. I don't get it. I really do not get it. It, it has a decline. It filed bankruptcy in 2018. A second bankruptcy 2019. There is new management and another further decline. As of February 2023, this year, February 2023, only three Kmarts exist left in the U.S. Miami, Florida, Westwood, New Jersey, Bridgehampton, New York. So if you were the winner of the Kmart Ridiculous Cash Bash circa 2017, I hope you spent all that fucking money on gifts For your friends and family. Because otherwise, you have to still have the credit and you have to go all the way to Miami. You have to go all the way to Jersey or New York to buy this. And that's really bad. I think it could have been better. Kmart used to be, like, the spot in the 90s. Like, it was such a cool happening thing. People loved Kmart because they they tried to modernize it. And then something weird happened. I'm going to guess the same thing that got rid of Toys R Us. And I'm just sort of just disappointed in a game show like this. Because, obviously, it was trying to get people to learn Kmart. They tried to play games in the Kmart. But it's a special And it ended after one episode. Should they make another one of these? No. Would it make better if it was Walmart? Probably not. Even if they switched out the department store and it wasn't Kmart, it was Walmart or Target, it still would have been a bad show. They did all the branding of a Kmart with the blue light spatules and all that. But nowadays, people go to Walmart, they go to Target, they go to Amazon. And Amazon ridiculous cash bash just wouldn't really feel the same. Why it didn't work out is mostly because it's a business trying to have that one last hurrah to save their company and Game Show Network said, sure, why not? The challenges were all these wacky physical challenges, but at no point were they funny or interesting they were just sort of just gross out or stupid and to the point of it was just sort of existent someone looked at that one yeah this is funny people will like it but i was there just going why never mind the fact this is for kmart everything about this show is the kind of thing that people hate about game shows if that makes sense, the blind capitalism, it's all for a sponsor, the Kmart. The gameplay that is not really engaging or play along for, so you just sit there and stare, but it's a game show, but the game doesn't make sense. And the game is only there to continue the branding of Kmart. And even though you are throwing big money at this game, it's in credit to Kmart. Everything is an IOU. And it turns out if this game is at a decline, that IOU is bull. That check is void. There's not enough money in this credit to give to everybody. This was a desperate ploy for Kmart to get people in a way that did not work. And is a, should be a warning sign for a lot of game shows in the future. Because eventually, there's going to be more internet game shows. And they're going to take a cue from Ridiculous Cash Bash. And they're going to get sponsorship deals from crypto banks. Or from other sort of online shopping places. The Wish.com Cash Bash. And they're going to continue this. Not learning the life lesson that this doesn't make a good game show. What makes a good game show is just a show that is so fun you wish you were there and a game show that is a more positive face that doesn't feel like you are getting marketed to by Kmart if you can just sell a show that is just a light-hearted fun thing and also by Kmart then you're good that's how you make the money it's not the branding that's sponsoring the bill it's the game itself, and then you have that sponsor, that Kmart, that whatever that gives the AOK, because that is how you translate it. It's like kind of the same way as when a content creator sells uh, HelloFresh or something. HelloFresh is, is paying money to the content creator to give the ad read. They don't say, hey, this is the HelloFresh video. Hey, are you enjoying this video? HelloFresh, HelloFresh, HelloFresh. It's something else this is a blind almost infomercial like appearance that made it just insulting and this is coming from game shows where in the early 50s you would see sylvania and marlboro and like geritol all over the set at least that and like the sylvania ads and geritol ads it was just at that little point in the show that two minutes that 30 second break A little commercial. Not the entirety of the damn show. And that includes Beat the Clock, where there's a Sylvania clock, a Sylvania TV, a Sylvania toy for the kids. They didn't even do it that much. So please don't do something similar to Ridiculous Cash Bash. This is a what-not-to-do. Thank you, me. I think that was about 20 minutes. Anyway, uh... GSN had a few shows. Now, we're going to be talking about Prime Games in its own separate category later. Uh, but for now, uh, we did f- kind of not talk about JEP. Uh, JEP is this uh, children's Jeopardy. Now, we did Jeopardy as one of the first episodes ever of game shows, I suppose, uh, in its various forms. We barely talked about, like, Rock and Roll Jeopardy on VH1, which was celebrities playing music trivia Jeopardy for charity. Uh, And Jepp was a kid's version With Bob Bergen, the voice of Porky Pig Uh, It was sort of like a miniature version of Jeopardy There was five categories, not six Four clues, not five Uh, But the values were kind of the same But they had to be via a randomizer like press your luck Uh, If you get a question wrong A big vat of stuff will be above the contestants heads If they get it incorrect and it's dumped And then third time they are basically out for a question Which is kind of fun, I guess, because three strikes throughout the I can see the appeal for that. Uh, It was a very cool kind of industrial looking set. Um, However, as a kid's Jeopardy, it it had the same sort of we saw balls fall on contestants heads that you would later see in whammy the all new press your luck, which is that gets kind of cute and funny and not as messy. But as far as like a Jeopardy for kids is, at least it could it could have been worse. It could have been like Make the Grade, for instance. Right. Or or maybe something like that. What was that? Mark Summers show with the robot. Like it, it could be a lot more boring of all the kids trivia shows. It was kind of very fun, but still very slow paced. Um, but that's beside the point. Next is another Game Show Network one and done spectacular. This is The Line. The line was a game show that lasted one episode. It was considered a special event. Originally, I saw it when it was pitched as the queue, which was supposed to be this cool event, game show event thing, where the gimmick is that there's a big line to go to a tent to play a game show. The game show is simply you have to answer 10 true or false questions right in a row. If you get all 10 right... You break the bank and you take the money. For each correct answer that you get, you add $1,000 to the bank. Or in the case of when it eventually became the line, $250. This may for exciting television because the, the money keeps going up until somebody wins it. But of course, there's a game within the game. So there is deals to leave the line for money. There is mini-games to play for front of the line, and there are games where the punishment is you're out of the game. That's the line. The line was a really interesting concept because they changed it to being seven questions instead of ten, $250 per correct answer, and they would just basically be showing people answer true or false questions and then go uh, away and show what happens. That's it. That's the line. One episode. Oh, sorry. Eight true or false questions with 250 on the pot. If you fail, you're ejected from the vault and the next contestant steps in. Uh, and they just keep this going. Uh, let me read this Wikipedia entry about it. The line was first mentioned in GSN's 2014 upfronts created by ITV Studios. It was greenlit on July 15, 2014, with Jeff Davis and Candace Bailey of Attack of the Show? Candace Bailey? When discussing the show's format, GSN VP of Programming and Development, Amy Intro Caso Davis explained, We have taken something most people dislike waiting in line and turned into the most fun you ever had, with cash prizes and 500 new friends. The show began its production in its first city, Nashville, Tennessee, continuing through July 22, 2014. On November 10, 2014, Jason announced that the series originally supposed to be a five-episode series would instead air as a single-episode two-hour pilot. The show did not air a new episode after its premiere and is subsequently presumed to be canceled. The line received mixed general reception. Carrie Grossinger of About Entertainment, Shows, Carrie, I love you. Mwah! One of my favorite voices in game shows. <clears throat> Argued that the show's pacing was a problem. If the minigames were featured more heavily and the trivia bits moved along more quickly, the show would be much more interesting. Additionally, Entertainment Tonight's Danny Directo applauded the show for allowing an autistic contestant to complete. Well, Grossover called it the highlight of the two hours for me. That was the one thing I vaguely remember was a contestant who was on the autism spectrum in 2014 who loves game shows. Their their hyper focus was game shows. Never got to apply for a game show because he lives in Nashville. uh, Got to be on the line and then he went on the vault and got his eight questions correct and I believe won like like $12,000 or so. And everyone was really excited about that, including the parents, and he was crying. And uh, that was really cute. Uh, That was a really cute part of the show. But again, they only lasted one episode, two hours, which shows they didn't really have faith in this. Well, what maybe made it work, just throwing this out here, is if you made it a half hour show. And you just kept the city per season. So season one of the line was in San Francisco. Season two, it's in San Antonio, Texas. Season three, St. Louis, Missouri. And and just keep going from there. And a season is like 10 episodes. So you're really making 40 episodes. You're going to four different cities and keeping it going from there. Um, But... Obviously, they didn't have faith in this. Jeff Davis is an interesting uh, personality. I don't think this was the best fit for him because he's an improv actor. Candace Bailey is a longtime host uh, with things like, uh, I believe he did, she did You Pick Live, besides Attack of the Show. But that's nothing. And I think this was her last hosting gig, if I'm not mistaken, which makes it really bad. She did make an appearance recently in Attack of the Dock. Uh, talking about being a host and I guess woke I don't I don't remember but the line is essentially one of those good ideas for a game show format that they never really committed to so the long story short of it is the line is a good idea but if you don't have commitment to it don't really do it but hey they, they gave it a go it just didn't work out. We have covered a few game shows before this, though. Idiot Test has already been talked about. We've talked about Whammy, the all-new Press Your Luck, because the big bank, you hit the button, oh, okay, answer a question, you get it. We talked about the Press Your Luck episode. Whammy is an interesting game show in and of itself because we talked about Jep. Uh, and additionally, we have talked about uh, one of my other favorites, Lingo. Lingo has also been talked about here. So if you've missed any of those episodes, look back in the archives. We've talked about those fondly remembered, fondly enjoyed. Uh, the next one, however, is the last of our episode, and it is sanity. So this one is Winsanity. Uh Winsanity came out at what I would say is the modern GSN reboots. So we had the Chase show up. Then we had things like Idiot Test show up. And they were trying to try new challenge shows. E- Emo Genius, for instance. And this is Winsanity. Uh, I forget what the original name of this show was, pitched as. I think it was Windfall or something. And the premise was actually more similar to that of a big money audience game show, kind of like My Kind of Town or uh, Oprah, where the gimmick was there is like 100 contestants who are in the audience. One gets chosen to be the player of the game, and the idea is that you would have to put 10 statements in order from least to most, numerically. And for each one and after each challenge, I think it's like four in round one, three in round two, two in round three, and one final one. If you can successfully complete each of those challenges, uh, there's a prize that everyone in the audience gets. And of course the the contestant the center gets a bigger prize. So you win like a, a trip to uh, this and everybody here gets a vacuum cleaner or an air fryer yay to which in the finale it would be kind of like my kind of town if you get this right you win a hundred thousand dollars and everyone in the audience gets a hd tv worth at that like three thousand dollars at the time holy shit that's like we're giving away almost millions of dollars in prizes that was the original pitch of Win sanity um by Chris Grant and Barry Posnick. Unfortunately, this goes on to Game Show Network, which is cheap. Also, they don't really uh, have the money for that. So instead, what happens is they switch it up. There is still one contestant chosen from the audience, but it's a small, small, small audience. But everybody is given a bracelet. And this bracelet is high tech because it is actually RFID technology for 2016, 2018. The kind of tech uh, that would just show up at uh, music venues at the time, uh, but not necessarily in the public eye. Magic Band would show up around the same time as well. So a light up bracelet every audience member gets. That's cool. When, uh, when Donald Faison hits the Win Sanity button, it hits, and whoever like randomly it selects becomes the contestant. Is it random or is it predetermined? Who am I to say? But the contestant then shows up, and they play the same 4-3-2-1 format that was originally pitched. But this time, there is a prize for the contestant, and always a prize. If a contestant ever gets the wrong slot, though, uh, someone else in the audience gets to take the place for the contestant and tries to finish off the list to try and win the prize. Uh, in the final round, though, and this is the big twist, and this is a bit wow. If the contestant was successful to go from start to finish and get all 10 statements in order from least to most, they win a brand new car which is good, and $5,000 and all of the other prizes from the other rounds. So, hey, that's something. And the randomized contestant you play for also gets $5,000 uh, and a car. So there's two cars up for grabs, which is, I guess, an interesting prize, especially in the 2016s. This is a late 2010s and they're trying to offer up a car. Can't mind I think it was like a, a like a standard auto, like manual transmission car, but still a car. And if at any point a contestant switches out, the car's no longer up for grabs, it just becomes five thousand dollars on the final boat. And of course, if they don't get the five thousand, then the game ends and doesn't matter. Because you got the last statement, so we fill in the blank anyway. So that's when sanity mostly is just like, hey, how many miles is the Boston Marathon versus how many episodes of Friends are there versus how many calories are in a Big Mac versus how many pages is the last Harry Potter book versus how many minutes is the Godfather movie versus how many feet and miles It just keeps going from there. Basically like Limitless Win with the numerical answers, but in the possibility to go into tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and millions. Uh, The season one format was very interesting in the fact that they were trying to make it upbeat, fantastic. I think Donald Faison was actually a good host for this kind of thing. I think the premise was actually clear. It just was a matter of, again budget you're you're trying to build stakes on what amounts to if you get this right you win an instant pot yay it just didn't make for fascinating television uh even though you're supposed to be playing for these numerical answers so what happened between season one season two is well, it's great that they can give away cars and $5,000 and all of this interesting stuff. But um, it, it's still a lot of prizes and we're doing prize reads and all that. And no one's really wants to sponsor this show. So season two, they drop the prizes. There are no longer physical prizes to give away. No Blu-ray players no gift cards to somewhere nothing no prizes it's now just cash and what is that I'm hearing it becomes like every GSN show (laughs) why yes so what insanity ultimately becomes isn't really insanity it just becomes a numerical based game show that's it There are two teams, a purple and a gold, probably because someone there is a fan of the Lakers. One contestant from the purple section gets randomly selected to play against someone in the gold section. In the first round, there is a fact on the board and the number revealed with four more facts. And that's about it for this week's episode. Before we sign off. Uh, again, we want to c- cover every sort of thing out there. Now, we are going to be talking about uh, some of those competition shows later on. So Steampunk is coming up. Skin Wars is coming up. Window Warriors is coming up. Uh, we also have uh, baggage. Everyone loves baggage. Uh, so things like we haven't talked about Drew Carey's Improvaganza, which was an improv show on GSN. I didn't put that as a game show because it's not really a game show. It's improv comedy, but it was one that I really enjoyed on Game Show Network at the time. It's technically a GSN original. Second, Big Bucks, The Press Your Luck Scandal, one of the long, most watched things of all time about, of course, uh, Michael Larson memorizing the pattern Press Your Luck and Banking and Money, one of the best documentaries I've probably ever seen, which got me really more interested into game shows. Uh, and that, additionally, uh, we can talk about all of the uh, comp- like National Vocabulary Championship, GS and Games, which was, I think, the Play.TV things that were in the UK at the time. Uh, Chuck Woolery had a reality show called Naturally Stoned. Yeah, that's... All I remember was his rap, the big Chuck W, coming at you, trying true. Yeah, Chucky baby, yeah, coming at you, trying and true. And then coming at you two and two, and just... Don't look at what he does these days. It's very sad. And of course, because of the highlight of poker being a big craze in the mid-2000s, GSN had a lot of poker shows. They had World Series of Blackjack, they had Poker Royale, Celebrity Blackjack, uh, the World Blackjack Tour. Uh, They they had their own fair share of high-stakes poker, as it were. Uh, So they have a few games uh, of poker and gsn and eventually something that i've noticed was the game library also would have changed because the gsn casino and its oodles that were so fondly remembered would slowly become this sort of miserable goop uh to say the least where it's kind of more like poker and and like Texas Hold'em, as if you don't go to Poker Stars or any sort of poker website there is. I don't know if the poker trend has crashed and burned yet. Not a lot of people are really showing that much interest. And those who are into poker are now still into poker and cashing all the money, which is great. Um, we did talk about Elevator in the past, so I don't really want to go into Elevator uh cover story which is a good documentary series one that i really wanted to talk about was the american dream derby where they were talking about horses but i i i couldn't really get the full narrative i've only watched one episode in my entire life and i never really got interested in it so uh it's one of those things that it's like that's gonna be one of the few game shows that will just never really be part of the show it was a reality show where the winner gets a horse. Yeah, that's, that's about it. Um, with that being said, though, a lot of game shows do end up being successful. I remember we, uh, Catch-21 we've talked about, or at least we will eventually if it's not in the Archive, uh, because of its basically being Gambit and, and its modern-day interpretation. Alfonso Roberto becoming this big-time game show host with America's Funniest Home Videos. Uh, so, I wanted to make sure we squared everything away here. Uh, so, we talked about Naturally Stone. Carney Wilson, when she was doing the newlywed game, uh, had a, a reality show of her own called Unstable that lasted one season. Uh, and it was basically her trying to lose weight. That's thrilling stuff. I, again, you know, GSN at this time was trying to figure out what they wanted to do games in real life. Uh, there was what was that? Uh, the family trade. There was just the trade show. It was just about a pawn shop that was kind of like should not have been really there. But the trick was instead of a money system, it was a bartering system. You couldn't get money. You had to get something in return. It was very weird. It Takes a Church was this uh, dating show. There was a reality show, but... I, it was not really a game show it was sort of just a reality show where I'm looking for love and the church would try to find it it was all sponsored by Christian Mingle um, and the, I think like whoever won got like $10,000 for their church as a donation courtesy of Christian Mingle uh, but I, to me I, it, it is a game show but it's a dating show but it's one that's like loose the one thing I've noticed long enough, and this, I guess, just before we sign off today's show, I include dating shows and I include cooking competition shows on this list. But a lot of them are just kind of the same. They go on a date and then they decide or they go on the date and that is it. Or they decide who goes on a date and that's the it. cooking. You either compete against a chef or you compete against a greater chef or you compete on the same platform or uneven platform and there's a judge but what's the judge is it one judge is it three judges it, it, it all feels the same and it, eventually i'm gonna have to go through so many of those shows because it's hard to just deconstruct and break down but um to me it's more fun to do trivia shows because at least like if you get this right then x happens you get this wrong then y happens And that's more fun for me or just any sort of physical challenge kind of show. Like Survivor is more thrilling than a cooking contest and a dating show. And I can see now why a lot of people don't want want to push the dating contest aside. They don't want to talk about Fuckboy Island or they don't want to talk about, uh, uh, what is it, Uh, Food Stars, Future Food Stars of Ramsey, whatever is his 20th show. personally, they, they exist. Hell's Kitchen definitely counts. We're going to eventually have Hell's Kitchen on its own episode, I assure you of that. But going through these GSN originals, it's just been reminding me how bad the dating shows are, and how bad cooking shows are, and how everybody does the same, and the poker shows, and reality shows. And I... I hate the fact that this is the network that gave us the term "shiny floor games," and there's so many better things out there that GSN did. Um, personally, I, I I remember watching uh, GSN video games, and it was just so weird. They had um, what was it um, fuck, what was it called? Dog Park Superstars for a moment there. They had clips of Game World. It, it was just terrible. It just... They they had a Man vs. Fly, which was like these five-minute interstitials on Channel 5 in the UK. It just... There's so many rough, rough shows. And why am I playing with this Rubik's Cube? Uh, oh, yeah, this, I'm nervous. Uh, <clears throat> so... The last two shows I want to talk about real quick. Uh, They used to air Who Dares Wins on Game Show Network. And it was this like dare like show from Australia that was kind of like a precursor to I Bet You Will. Where it's like this guy's like, hey, I'll give you a hundred Australian dollars if you let shave your eyebrows off. (laughs) Hey, look, if you put your hand on this tarantula, you get 20 quid. No, well, not quit. It's, he's not Australian, but you get the idea. <clears throat> and then the idea is like the last challenge is like a super stunt, like a car crash or climb up a high tower heights challenge kind of thing, or spelunking. And it, I mean, it, it was. I think because this was like the early 2000s and they aired like a 90s game show. It was still kind of cool. I guess maybe someone really wanted to see like, hey, maybe this will work at Game Show Network, but and the other one is actually kind of funny. I don't think I'll ever get the chance to really talk about this here. Uh, So I'll just close with saying Kenny versus Spenny. Kenny versus Spenny is very weird because it also aired on Comedy Central. It has attempted to air internationally in various formats. and it's this Canadian documentary comedy game. Is it a game show kind of maybe but with with uh, with Spencer Nolan Rice and Kenny Hots. And the premise is basically it's two best friends fighting against each other in a series of competitions, like who can win a foot race or who can make the most money in twenty four hours? And the idea is that Spenny is like a like a, a a neurotic guy who's scared to death of his friend Kenny, and he just really wants to play by the rules because that's the way he had to live in life. He had to obey the rules and be a good guy, and good things will happen. And Kenny is just like a total asshole, <laughs> and he's just like he'll bend any rule to his favor. It's like a precursor to like when Taskmaster would have contestants go like well the rules never said i couldn't do this and that would be the whole premise Uh, kenny would end up mostly winning the shows time after time after time because of certain like work around loopholes which make the show very funny uh the funniest one i remember was who can survive being homeless for the longest or i think it was like for 48 hours or so and then, like, what happens is we, we are not going to live in our house. We're not going to have our credit cards. They try to go through all the rules of what does mean to be homeless. And then immediately, like, within, like, the first hour, Kenny just walks into the bank like, hey, guys, it's me. I uh, just, you know, I left my credit card at the other, You know, uh, is it okay if I just give you my personal information? <laughs> you already know where I am in the bank. And just, like got, like, some money, and then just stayed in a hotel for the rest of the week. It was so good. <laughs> to me, that's the kind of funny thing about Kenny versus Spenny. It lasts about four seasons, and then it came to a close. Uh, I it was so weird having Game Show Network of all places be the first iteration of Kenny versus Spenny here, but also be very confusing to audiences, because, well, is it a game show or not? Um... And normally, I would want to go into all the episodes, but just want to state as we close this out, Kenny versus Spenny was an amazing show because it was like a Taskmaster kind of show before Taskmaster. It had already set up the characters in the in the story. Spenny's a good guy who plays by the rules. You do want to root for him because he thinks he's a hero, but he always self-sabotages himself in his own good behavior. And Kenny, while he's this like loudmouth, obnoxious Canadian guy, he always wants to find the oracle. He always wants to do the laziest, cheapest, whatever is the way that could make Spenny look miserable just so he can have the victory and of course, whoever wins the challenge survives and the loser has to deal with a punishment much like what would be on impractical jokers uh but and again impractical jokers also would be a later kenny versus spenny kind of show uh so to me that's kind of the exciting part about game show network was their ability to try these new things here and there um of course The show kind of ended, I think, after two seasons in in GSN, because they only had two seasons to work with. And then later it got picked up and brought on to, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they tried to put it on, besides Comedy Central, Fuse? It was on a third channel. I'm trying to figure out what that third channel was in America. Because it wasn't just, I think, maybe i'm thinking that comedy central because because i remember here's what happened was kenny versus spending came to an end on gsn but they still made new episodes in canada but there really wasn't a youtube yet to watch these episodes so uh, that was one of the few like reality shows i actually had to like torrent on the pirate bay it was so much fun um so I'm, I'm glad that the, the, it existed on Game Show Network. Is it a game show? Kind of. Like I, I mean, it is loosely a game show. It's a competition, a series of competitions, and that would later end up being like a good chunk of YouTube channels in general. And every sort of, if you lose, you do a punishment and eat the hot spicy chip thing. But hey, that's just ahead of the curve. Anyway, that is it for part three of GSN Originals. Join us next time for part four with even more Game Show Network original shows. And hopefully one of them will be another great game show. I suppose this is Jordan Haas signing off. Big smooch. Mwah!